morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink. It's the, what date is it? It's January 13th, 2022. Uh, and I'm here with my co-host, Ted Chilowitz, and our friend and guest today, Roni Abovitz. Uh, this is Roni's third appearance in as many months. So he's he's calling himself the third Beatle now. Yeah, in, in two more, Roni, we're going to have to get you a purple velvet coat like they do on the Saturday Night Live when you guest star for five times. I thought I was the Neil Young sitting in on Crosby, Stills, and Nash. <laughs> I know we're going to work on our guitar theme song for your next appearance. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I just want to say before we get started, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Verbella, uh, which is a, a 3D uh, business conferencing network, uh, sort of a uh, second life for business. Uh, and uh, we are very appreciative of their support. Uh, today is also our first show on AWE Live. So AWE Live is going to be carrying the podcast just like um, YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes do. Uh, so we'll be doing talkbacks after they post the podcast on AWE Live on Fridays. So it's a chance to make this a little more interactive than it has been up to now. So Roni Abovitz, welcome. We don't treat Roni like a regular guest and bring him in after the news. We make him go through right. all the news with us. Um, Roni, as everybody must know, is the uh, founder and former CEO of Magic Leap, which was in the news this week. Uh, and we'll get to that. It's always great uh, to hear uh, about the Magic Leap 2, an amazing device that I was lucky enough to have a look at a couple of months ago. Uh, so uh, I, I think great things are, are going to happen now uh, as a result of this um, development. I was I told you guys a few days ago this was a slow news week, but actually we had a couple of uh, good stories dropped, including today. Um, Philip Rosedale is coming back to Second Life. Yes, I read about this this morning. Yes, um, that's amazing. Let's first of all say, I mean, all this talk about the metaverse. Arguably, the metaverse has been here for 19 years. Right. Right. They have a big economy. They're actually registered as a bank. Um, but, you know, they stopped scaling about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though they make plenty of money, it's obviously if you're not growing, it's hard to, uh, you know, find an exit. So Brad Oberweiger, who has a, a investment fund and is a friend of Rosedale's, came in and bought out Benchmark and the other VCs that had backed uh, Second Life. And so now, I think three or four months after, five months after that deal closed, his buddy Rosedale is coming back in with an investment from High Fidelity, um, some assets, employees, and, and patents, it said. And, and he's going to uh, join the company or, or work with the company as an advisor. So right. this led me to some great headlines that I did not really use. Uh, the second coming of Philip Rosedale, of course. You would have <laughs> there you to go. Know. That works. That works. Uh, uh, you know, you could do a second chance for Second Life. Yeah, that works. Then I thought a second wind for Second Life. Second wind, Second Life, it that's pretty good. Sort of means that they burned up their first chance. And I, I wouldn't call it their first chance burned up. I would call their first chance kind of stalled. Yeah, and there, you know, there, there could be a, the, the dead cat bounce reference or something you could get. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things. But look, Philip is a, a friend of the show, just like Rhodey is. He's been on with us. He is a kindred spirit. Uh, he is an, an absolute OG of the metaverse when you think about it, right? Because he's been in it longer than we have by a long shot. He was the original CTO of Real Networks. Absolutely. And, 
he's a guy that, you know, you talk about foresight, right? I mean, my job, I get paid to have foresight. Charlie, you get paid to be, you know, within the I press and report, report on your site. <laughs> yeah, and we, we, we sort of do all this, but he gets such props for being way ahead of us and really understanding that this is going to be something. And it makes really good sense from a timing standpoint that someone with that much chops and that much understanding of what to do about building an economy around something that now is called the metaverse, that he would enter back into the fray. So good on him. I'm excited to see what he does with Second Life and Third Life for whoever whatever else it uh, turns into. Actually, be, right? very so, exciting because, very- you know, he's, he's in the game when the wave is really taking off. Yep. And he, he you know, he, I, I bet you they get acquired by somebody who's like, okay, we, we need something and people who know what they're doing, one of the larger players, I think someone's going to roll them up. Do you think Satya at Microsoft says, you know what? They've been doing it longer than anybody else. We need it. We need to grow, we need to grow faster in this area. Maybe we incorporate them. That's a possibility. It wouldn't be a bad acquisition. And, you know, Microsoft, uh, you know, knows how to scale stuff. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they craft have, they, they've done pretty well by all space, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't, you know, second, like what? I mean, I've got my uh, suspicions, but I, I think second life, stalled because they just didn't evolve with the market they kind of got stuck with their thing and you know they don't have an app for game consoles they don't have an app for mobile and those were the things that led to explosive growth for rec room so i i you know i just don't know how you play without a mobile app so hopefully and it was yeah in their dna they were never really a gaming environment they were a social and commerce and sharing environment, which what we have learned is it just doesn't scale well and it's not as sticky. You know, people need a reason to go someplace to do things and then other things happen. So when you enter into Fortnite to play the game, you have a comfort zone of hanging out with your friends and then maybe seeing a concert or watching a but you virtual can hang movie. Out with your friends using a game console, a smartphone. Right. It's so ubiquitous, right? Yeah. So I think the cross-platform thing and the idea that the metaverse is a cross-platform experience of the internet. Um, yeah. You know, makes a lot of sense. And I just don't see how you can not have a mobile app because that's where people are today. Right. I agree. Um, so you guys know about this company, Amaze? Amaze VR? They, they do VR concerts. They just raised 50 yes. million, bringing their total raise to 30. Uh, but the idea is that we all are in VR or, or MR uh, and, and we meet up and, and attend. So we are live. And of course, the volume, the concert has been captured volumetrically. But since since it's in VR, we can be all around it, close up with it, in the middle of it. Uh, so interesting idea. I've never done it, but it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it is interesting. And the question is, will that at some point become the order of the day? That it right. is. Well, will VR concerts become a thing? And again, you get into the whole thing. Well, do you have to attend? with a headset. It sounds like with the maze, you do, but there's been a lot of virtual conference concerts. Uh, Travis Scott, The Weeknd did this thing on TikTok. So those are virtual conferences too. They're just not fully, you're not a fully embodied avatar in a you know completely occluded virtual world. Yeah, and what I read about Amaze recently, and I think most other companies that are doing this is they're all realizing 
that they have to have a cross-platform. To your point about do it on a console, do it on a game system, do it on a phone. You can't just make yourself bespoke to one device or one ecosystem because it's just not enough for viability. It may be great from a, the ultimate experiences here, just like if you and I, or the three of us were boxing fans, we want to be ringside. That's the best experience, but there's got to be a lot of other experiences, including watching it on pay-per-view or watching the repeat someplace else that's not on pay-per-view. It's all about finding scale, right? So um, I think that's ultimately what the most successful companies in these realms will do is make the ultimate experience, which can live in mixed reality or virtual reality or whatever new, you know, most newfangled experience, but then open it up to as many people that want to get behind a paywall and, and experience something, even if they're just on a laptop or a mobile phone. So next topic, Kura uh, Gallium, uh, a, comp a small company from the Bay Area, uh, wins best of CES with some AR glasses that have 150 degree field of view, they weigh 80 grams. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, 8K per eye and 95% uh, transparency. So uh, even in, in brightly lit areas, you can supposedly see uh, the graphics that are overlaid uh, or anchored to reality. So it sounds like an amazing device. And if it does all these things, certainly uh, deserving of, of this award, which is very prestigious to have 30,000 entries a year. Um, Kura kept it kind of a secret. Kelly Pang, the scientist behind it, uh, you know, is multiple degrees, very well-respected um, person in, in that field. Um, so, but I guess it's a prototype. I don't think they have a deal to uh, manufacture them, but, you know, we were talking in the green room before we started, uh, you know, that if, if it had been at CES and the word got out, the line would have let in outside of the door of the convention center to put it on. Yeah. Well, and certainly Roni, as one of the purveyors and creators of viable, useful mixed reality, and that continues on its track, which we can talk about in a minute. Yeah, that's, that's, that's next up. Yeah, you, you might, you know, have some opinions about, you know, is it real? Is it not real? 8K per eye. And certainly the three of us need to get our eyes on the most current iteration of this. Yeah, Charlie and Dave, you both have seasoned, I think, seasoned eyes at this point. I would invite her and put it on beforehand and talk about it because you mm -hmm. guys have seen a lot of things. And, but, you know, my take is with those kind of specs and with what they're building, uh, they're not long for the world if it's all real and one of the major players sees that they should be gone, right? They should be picked up and rolled up uh, because at their size price, you know, it's, they're not a gigantic company. Um, it feels like everything, all the big companies are spending 15, 20 billion a year to do. If uh, they can do that with like, you know, I don't know, 30, 50 people, that's amazing give her all the awards and I think an Apple or Facebook or somebody is going to buy you like in the next 30 days. But I think you guys should have her on and, and, and put it on and see like what's, what's, what, what's, what's real. Yeah. And you know, maybe but actually it's funny to say what's real. None of it is real, right? All of it is virtual, <laughs> all of it is augmented, but just, you know, put it on and you know, maybe there's a, a quality or something that's missing or, or maybe it's amazing. And if it's amazing, then, Call Tim Cook and, and have him you know, roll her up. Well, and I think all these things probably I, I would I'll, I'll see if I could come up with a terminology need to go through the KG test, which stands for Carl Gutag, oh, who is kind of 
the ultimate debunker and, you know, for pro con and different, but he takes a very serious view of this stuff and does a deconstruction on a lot of this Has stuff. Have you done a write you know, up on them yet? I don't know. Uh, uh, we can, we can certainly research it and find out. Um, he does a write up on lots of things and he very often points to the weaknesses in these devices, which is his, you know, his, his sort of goal set and his right to do that. We tend to look at the positive parts of these and, try and understand that the weaknesses will hopefully get solved over time. He doesn't really take that view. He takes a much more, uh, which rightly so, a scientific view of what is it doing right now at this moment in time, and what are these pixels actually doing on our eyes, and how is it actually being created? So I would say he would, he'd be a good one to, to run this past and see what he thinks about this. All right, those specs are more than what some companies that are spending 10, 20 billion a year yeah, are trying to do by far. And you don't even need to get all the way there. Like if you right. got to somewhere between 70 and 100 degrees and you were at 4K, I mean, you don't even need 150. And that'd be a miraculous so let's device. Talk, let's everybody talk about want. the 75 or 76.5 <laughs> field of view of the Magic Leap 2. So I got to try this baby uh, at mm -hmm. actually a Christmas party uh, over oh. in Culver City where they have their sales office now. And of course they made me swear to secrecy. You can't talk about it. You can't, you know, don't write about it. I was like, okay, okay. So they let me try it and let me say, wow, really amazing. Um, super light, huge field of view, huge. Um, so, you know, when you say when you get to 75, it almost after that doesn't matter, uh, which is exactly true. You don't need to turn your head that much to keep the, um, yeah, do you need much more than that? That's 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 my question. I think it well, might I mean, probably not. I think around where maybe a little bit more this way or that, but it's sort of in the zone. Yeah, it it it, it felt. You know what? It, 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 at that size, it feels right, especially if you're a glasses wearer. You know, so I I, I thought it felt right, and so the company announced uh, today that they uh, are really doing an early release to four healthcare. Uh, companies that they've been working with. I think that's great. I don't know how many units they're talking about, Pro probably not thousands, um, but it's great to see them in the hands of customers. I thought Peggy Johnson, the new CEO, had some smart things to say in the announcement, particularly uh, because they are targeting um, professions like surgeons who are already wearing things on their face to help them with their jobs, right? So you see that in, in manufacturing, um, you see that in pharmaceuticals, other industries, people wear loops and other, um, you know, analog devices that help them. Um, you know, surgeons usually have some kind of a, a very, very strong um, spotlight or, or flashlight uh, and headgear. So uh, yeah, they're comfortable so with headgear. It makes sense right? to take what they're already doing and, and make it that much better. So um, I, I think it'll be exciting to see the results. I, I think everybody has said all along that one of AR's greatest opportunities is to uh, you know, augment doctors, clean up screen pollution, uh, create uh, a, a clinical environment where the doctor can keep his eyes on the patient, but, but also integrate the incredibly useful technology that has uh, been getting in the way sometimes. So- uh, And Charlie, all three of us, I believe have experienced it. None of us really can talk too much about it, but I, I will say this, it's going to be exciting to see developers who could do whatever they want, put their hands on it mm -hmm. um, because the, the team that designed it, like it was largely designed and set into a first production run before the pandemic. Sure. Uh, 
what we were thinking then and, and how things evolved won't get too much into that but like you know it's it's basically like a mclaren with like a zero to 62.4 second engine i mean the graphics the ai are insane yeah uh, you you haven't even like they probably didn't even show you anything under the hood i'm just super excited yeah. to see like what some rogue developers when they get there like oh my god this is like it's like an f16 let's take it out for a spin i'm very excited to see what happens when studios or just anybody uh starts to play with within there it's chock full of all sorts of stuff that i can't talk about right now but when it rolls out there it'll be great and you know i just want to kudos all the people that designed the thing it's like we packed everything you could imagine in there you know yeah and, and 2300 bucks yeah, and, and as Roni well knows, I uh, because I've been a little quieter than I normally am uh, for this section, I am under a very significant and real NDA uh, about this. But I think at this point, unless Roni puts his hands up and goes, no, no, I can say I have definitely seen the device multiple times through its, through its evolution um, and am very enthused by what it can do, uh, how large the field of view is, and how capable this device is on achieving what the dream of mixed reality that Roni, you know, started X amount of years ago, um, starting to really come to fruition now. The first gen device proved certain parts of the equation. The second gen device, the gen device starts to prove the rest of the equation. And I will still say starts to prove, like we are still not at end stake here, right? Um, I will say this, Ted, um, yeah. for anyone who actually follows an arc of the field and, and some of the stuff, like the gen one for a lot of us, but particularly for, for what I was doing, that was our Mercury. Mm -hmm. And this is the Gemini, mm -hmm. but I got to actually see what Saturn would be. Right. Which, which none of you guys have seen. I, I, now I don't really know what will happen with Saturn, but like we were building Mercury, Gemini, and Saturn in parallel. Yeah. So you guys have had a glimpse at Gemini and Gemini is probably what most of the world wanted, not Mercury. But you need to you need a you need to get someone in space and you need to like learn a bunch of things. You need to send a test probe out in the world. And I think only when you understand the full story, I think Ted and I've had this discussion, like this is an arc, a narrative arc over time. If you look at one episode and they don't watch the rest of the movie, it doesn't make any sense. So finally, part two of the movie is coming into play and, and hopefully, hopefully that the Saturn V aspect will also emerge one day because that was insane. That that was like, if you go, why did people get all excited? It's because we show them Mercury, Gemini, Apollo. We show them the Saturn V. This is where it's mm -hmm. all going. Um, and you guys got to say at least the part two, which is exciting. We can't talk more about it until the thing ships, but that's great. And by the way, bring Kelly on. If she's <laughs> done this, then like buy her. Somebody buy her <laughs> yeah. now because she's pulled that off something that like teams of thousands to 20,000 plus can't do, give her a Nobel prize, buy her company <laughs> and put her on the pedestal and give her the Edison award. And all we hundred percent agree. And all I will say is that I am really enthused for more than just the small, small select amount of people that have been able to see the evolution of the magic leap and this magic leap two device. I'm very excited for more humans to get their eyes on this because they will see that progress does get made. To your point about you know, the, the, the space race and moving through Mercury to Gemini to Apollo, 
progress gets made. And when you see the progress, your mind will start to open and you will start to see the possibilities. It's it very actually, exciting. I'll tell you my time in the thing, and I know we have a lot of other stuff to talk about, many things I had imagined in my mind really start to unfold. You're like, now you can have many people not to use, you don't have to use that much imagination anymore. Mm -hmm. with, with the ML1, there's like this, oh, you have to overcome that. It reminded me of playing with my first Mac. Like the screen was this big and it was black and white. And I had to imagine this flight simulator one day will not just be wireframe, will not just be black and white, will not just be 10 frames per second, but you still got a thrill out of it if you can use your imagination. On the Gen 2, it's kind of like, okay, even if you don't get it, it's hard to deny. Um, and I think that's, by the way, I think that this wave 22, 23, 24 devices coming out from, from various players who are really investing the time money, they're, they're all going to be quite impressive. Yes, that's right. Not, not just the ML2, but I think there's other things in VR and other, that are really, everyone's learning and that learning curve is starting to come together and technology is getting smaller, GPUs, AI sensors, all sorts of things are happening. And people who are doubting the field should stop doubting the field after this wave mm. of stuff, you know, that comes out this year, next year. I, I think people will be very- yeah, I largely agree with that. I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, getting back to um, to Apple rumors then, speaking of- <laughs> Speaking of other stuff we can't talk about, yeah. So, so um, you know, the, the drumbeat for later in 2022 is loud, but I'm thinking 2022, they start to give some specs to developers like you know big media companies look i mean the articles that have hit this week are about um how the wave of mixed reality ar wearables will affect the apple stock price which of course is you know a a high flyer by all yes, stretch of the imagination in terms of three three trillion dollar company at one moment this a couple of weeks ago and and uh the the belief structure that apple is going to get into this game um is taking you know the the the, the various sort of stock pundits and the, the street as we call it uh to new heights of a potentially 200 dollar or plus uh, sort of valuation, sort of you know, stock price and valuation, well over three trillion dollars at that point. Um, all we can do is ride that wave and hope that they're right, because you know when Apple does things, to Roni's point about the Macintosh, they will set the next stage of the evolution of the use case of these devices. Where pre-Apple on almost anything, there's always the use case of someone that did it before Apple, right? Apple is often called out as the most innovative company in the world, but I would argue that they are not the most innovative company in the world, but they are the best execution company in the world. And others do things first. Apple watches, learns, and listens, watches other companies stumble around in the dark or the, or the near dark, and then until they see the light and they put huge amounts of resources and huge amounts of testing cycles and human engineering and human ergonomics and use case cycles against something before they release, right? So when they do choose to release this at some point, whatever that time horizon is, it will likely be extraordinarily meaningful, even if it only gets released as a very high price device for a year or so for developers to help figure out this new form of compute. Um, which no one else has really had the wherewithal to take that kind of stance, right? To sort of like, Roni, you tried that. You, you made an attempt to do that. It was sort of 
bastardized by a lot of the forces around you that said, no, let's go full consumer. This is a consumer device. But I know in your heart, you needed that time horizon to let people figure out what these devices could be and could use as their, their end game. And I think Apple may very well be the one to allow that stage let, to be let, set properly. Let me, let me, let me so give that's you a thing we'll said. Um, my, what I was trying to do with the Gen 1, and I'll try to give you my view on, on what I think Apple's doing. Uh, Gen 1 was a stem cell. It was like not consumer, not developer. It was just a stem cell you need to put into the environment, put into a lot of different hands and see what they do with it and let the gradient evolve. And it turns out the evolution and where the market was, was going to be a certain subset of enterprise was happening first. We actually learned a ton. And the stem cell theory, if you look back in 10 years, was the right move to do. Maybe in, in the immediate thing, you're like, so it wasn't consumer, it wasn't enterprise, it was a stem cell trying to find out where is the market going to be. And you're kidding yourself if you think you know the market is going to be in a brand new everything. You have to put something out there. Mm. So what's what's an Apple going to do? First of all, I think the bar on them is incredibly high. So uh, let me just separate VR from AR. I think the VR bar, they have to be so much better than anything an Oculus or an HTC is doing, which means- Or a Valve Index. Insane graphics, right? Insane power, lightweight, but they've got to solve the physiologic issues. What I mean by the physiologic issues, I don't think an Apple is going to release a product that makes you dizzy. And they're just, you can't like do that. I, I think they're just not going to do that, which means a whole bunch of other factors that these other companies can overlook. They don't have the same reputation to overcome. These guys can't, personally, I think they can't do that. And they also have to solve super complicated optic issues in VR that the other companies have also just ignored. They're like, hey, we'll, we'll solve that later. I don't think Apple has the luxury of solving that later. So the interesting thing is, if they've solved it, is it really Apple grade perfect? You know, like my, you know, your watch seven, your iPhone 13, if it's not that good, because the bar on everything else they make is that good, people are going to all over them. Sorry, the technical term, I think vomit all over them because they have no, I look at how much flack I took being a brand new company, trying to do a brand new device but not carrying this burden of like also shipping like iPhone 13s and things that are so mature and perfect after 20 years of refinement of mobile phone. And, you know, since the iPhone came out. So, I mean, they have such a high bar perfection. I think they're going to wait and 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 wait until it's really, really, really amazing because anything less, I think they could take a giant black eye and why do it? Um, and, and by the way, having... What I described to you guys was the Saturn V um, Apollo. That's the only thing they could ship. And I can't tell you guys what's in that, but that's what we imagined an Apple would do when we started designing that and figuring all that out. That's insanely hard. That last thing they've got to do, and I understand why they're going to spend 10, 20 billion a year. And even that may not be enough because only a certain speed, all the supply chain, all the engineers in the world you can hire can move and think about something here's the tricky part without releasing in the world and learning. So the advantage, uh, smaller companies or, or companies that don't have the same reputation and hardware, we can go out there and get dirty and get banged up a little bit, but then we learn a lot and we cycle and cycle. Can they do that? Do they have a license to put something out that's like far from perfect? Like the Apple one was far from perfect. The Apple two was far from perfect. Now everything they do is perfect. There is no room for anything less. So I think it's a real dilemma and Charlie, it'd be great to get your take. How do they overcome this perfection expectation? 
which is super high and super crazy. I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe heads inside information, notwithstanding, I don't believe 22 is going to be Apple's year for VR and AR. Um, I just don't. I agree with you. I, I, they're good at keeping secrets, but they're not that good. And if it was really going to be this year, it, there'd be more than just refusing to tell me shit. There'd, there'd be all sorts of people uh, who, who would be saying that because Apple would be working with the best developers and those are big companies and people don't keep their mouths shut. So um, if Apple was really getting ready to launch it, um, a lot more people would know about it. So I, I'm skeptical about 22, but you know, people who supposedly have inside info like Sco Robert Scoble um, say it will be. That said, we all know Scoble has been saying that since 2016. So I don't know why 22 is his year other than it wasn't 21. Um, so, I, I mean, they are good at keeping secrets, but as you get close to realizing something of this scale, it's not a secret anymore. Right. So I just, I, I mean, you know, and I, I, you went through that yourself, Roni. I mean, the closer you got to the Magic Leap 1 being released, the more people had to know about it internally, externally, every internally. Because that's how the products are, are released, you know. Now then it belongs to millions of people. You know, so I, I do, wait, 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 I do let's say you're gearing so up to ship. Apple is going to, you know, it has to just work. I mean, even the Oculus Quest, which is simple de simple, doesn't always work. Um, you know, and there are factors beyond the control of the device, including, you know, connectivity and um, you know, uh, random system problems that continue to persist in, in all of technology. Um, and, and I just think Apple, it just has to work. So uh, if they're there- no, Talk about that there. for a second. Talk about what, what that means because it needs to work in every kind of home and apartment in all kinds of lighting, whether you have glass mirrors everywhere, or a furry cat, or it's raining outside. It has to, you're gonna walk outside with their thing what do you mean I can't use it outside? So now it has to work in every kind of weather environment. By the way, that problem, autonomous vehicles are still fighting through with like $30,000 LiDAR systems on top of their, you it's know. It's gotta the, the be Google super light. Part. It's gotta be portable. It's gotta have a battery of at least two hours. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, they gotta get the thing way down in weight. Uh, even the- no, is still Two too hours is a no ship. You cannot ship with all the- expectation of, of the fruit company you cannot ship something with a two-hour battery okay so here's so here's the question you guys are debating That's worse this. than what we did in 2018 you can't <laughs> do that <laughs> but here's here's the yin and the yang question on this the philosophical question is this the moment that a company like apple um breaks from that storied tradition of holding to this kind of sense of let's get it as close to perfect as we can let's smooth out all the rough edges and then release it do they actually take a different tack on a device like this and say all the things you brought up are things that need to be resolved over time but this is a 10 year plus journey to get it to that level of sophistication and polish and we can't wait that long our competitors in the space are delivering on visual experiences and visual compute in a way that is gaining market traction. Facebook Meta is doing it. Sony is doing it. HTC is doing it. Valve is doing it, et cetera, et cetera. They're entering and holding that space and finding consumer traction. And is this the moment, you know, inside those meetings in those halls where people say, we know what we need to achieve, but if we wait that long, 
it will be a tactical error. We need to actually get product into the marketplace that can at least fire on all the deliverables that we can do today with our chipsets and our OS and our sensibility of how we view compute and how we view the space um, and see if we can put it out there. And maybe the leading indicators of that are sometimes Apple and, and more on the software side these days will launch things that don't kind of hit it out of the park immediately like Apple Arcade, right? And, and things that don't get huge, like it's so fantastic and so much better than everything else out there that everybody just instantly gravitates towards it. And there are a few times in the long history of Apple products, like I was thinking when you guys were talking about, remember the cube, the Apple cube that was sort of like what the next device was supposed to be. And it was that, that um, cube that was built in Lucite and it just didn't quite get there, right? Some of us That's had so them. cool looking in the day. It was cool looking, but it just didn't have enough functionality. It didn't have, and the early Mac minis sort of suffered from this too, right? So I think while we, want to put it up on a certain pedestal, there's also a certain reality check of maybe Apple does need to just enter into the market with a imperfect product because this market, this, and you know this better than anybody, Roni, this market of virtual reality and mixed reality is imperfect by its nature. There are so many problems that are so much harder to solve than just putting a screen up in front of our face that we may have to give it that 10 or 15 years to get from iPhone one stage to iPhone. And I've got to stage. take the, 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 I'll just take the, the contrarian I'll, I'll, I'll view officially defined view on that. Yes. The, the visual perfection of the iPad pro, the MacBook pro, the IMAX, the iPhone 13, even your iWatch seven, they're so visually perfect. They run smoothly. There is no way they can uh, suffer this kind of brand hit. Uh, and Hey, if you guys are listening to us, we're, we're actually trying to be helpful. Uh, and we're huge fans of your well, product. They, 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 on the show, but. They, they just can't take the brand hit of, of like, by the way, visual quality. You cannot ship anything worse than the visual quality of like an iPhone 13 iPad Pro, not on something with this much hype and expectation. By the way, if, if it's a pilot team and a few hundred million, yes, but not after spending 10 to 20 billion a year for God knows how many years and tens of thousands of people. You cannot ship something that's like not 10 times better than a Magic Leap 2 and the best thing on the planet. Because you put so much time and money and energy and years, it better be the most mind-blowing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, they have, they, their investment from, from the rumor mill is so high, it has to hit all those visual quality metrics. And I know exactly what it takes to but do that. I agree. But and, you know, for those that are visually watching, you know, view it through the lens of the very first iPhone or the very yeah. first iPad, there's one there. Um, you know, and we think about, was it the appropriate power and the appropriate use case? Yeah, my little hardware museum. And there's all your, all roadie stuff is over here and all Oculus <laughs> stuff is over here, it's just crazy. Um, but through the lens of like, I think about the very first iPad and how quickly I was amazed at how wonderful it was, but also how quickly kind of underpowered it was. And they needed a few, a few turns at the wheel you know, by the time it got to iPad 3, iPad 4, they had largely kind of found the right balance, right? The watch, the same thing. I have three Apple watches in the closet and I wear one sometimes, but it took until Apple Watch kind of five to get it really to the point where it was pretty good. And then six and seven, you know, you kind of like it's locked in, right? Um, so I just wonder if that first device 
we might have to, and again, this may be just my nature of giving it a little breathing room, which is kind of always why I was a big fan of what you were doing is like, you've got to give these things breathing room. They need time to figure out what they're going to do right and what they're going to do wrong. And we cannot just topple on top of these things and criticize every moment of every engineer and every evangelist and every creator that's trying to do something new because it just takes cycles to get it right. And maybe, and this is just a maybe, this is me speculating, not anything I know or don't know, Apple may have to take a bigger leap this time than any other time in their history because of how complex putting something up on your eyes is compared to just putting it in a form factor where you sit it on a desk or hold it. That's kind of where my- We talked about the watch, like five generations to get it right. Yep. Um, Think about how many generations to get this right. And this is 10, 20 X less complex. Right. That's my point. Then this other thing. This for you, your listeners, is the iWatch on his wrist that runs. Yes, the Apple Watch, right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, you know, from from moving from from this to this, while they sort of look the same, there were some really nice things about this little guy, you know? So it's it's kind of an amazing life that we all get to lead um, doing this stuff. It's sort of fascinating. Quickly when we hang out. Um, our, our, our time together t- today is winding to a close. Roni, Sun and Thunder, your new company, say something. <laughs> Give us something. Something, a morsel. Um, I, I am, I have had my first, uh, call it very quiet investor meetings. All right. So, so 22 might be a year of bringing in some folks on board, um, but it's going to be I'll tell you a couple of things about it. Um, I've got to keep it fairly under wraps because I've looked back at my last two companies, uh, Mako and Magic Leap, and pretty much everything I was doing got copied by all kinds of giant companies who were on my tail. And I'm trying to be a little more low key about what this really is. And I'm not really telling anybody. But um, so I'll I'll not tell you guys that. But I, I will say I started to have some really interesting positive, um, you know, uh, early meetings with investors that, that were very, you know, that, that was really good. So Can't we'll, wait. we'll look at that. Can't wait. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great weekend. Roni, great seeing you. Ted, get off of Zoom, my friend. My pleasure. And all I can say is it is great to be friends with both of you. I am so happy to have a genuine, wonderful friendship where we can share these ideas and concepts and let people sort of listen in to our brains a little bit. It's very great. Come up with a theme nobody... song for your show. What? Yes, come up with a theme song. Absolutely. Right. We'd yes, love for that. We'd love. And, and the great thing about you to write a theme song. Nobody really knows how it's going to turn out. Right. That's kind of why we wake up every morning, is I wonder what's going to happen today. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ted.